Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, we are back with another season review club update, this time talking all things Tottenham with Steve Magookin, who, of course, you can find on Twitter at Steve Magookin. He's also a writer for the Northern Slate and former chairman of New York Spurs. Steve, an absolute pleasure, as always, to have you back on. Um, we were talking a little bit before we hit recording that the the Champions League season and the Premier League season have been very different. And I know um, you and Patrick recorded another uh, segment for us, and that'll play at the back end of uh, this show. But for this, we're going to mostly stick to the Premier League, because without the glory that's been happening in Europe, the Premier League season was very odd. 13 yeah. losses, uh, struggled mightily down the stretch, won just one of our last five, including a disappointing draw to Everton the last day of the season, yet... Struggling that much still equaled a top four spot. How do you make sense of this 2018-19 campaign that Tottenham had? It, it has just been crazy, Kevin, and thanks for having me back on. It's always fun to talk with you. Yes, it, we, we've been very schizophrenic this year, uh, the way we played in the Champions League. After the initial sort of chaos of the of the opening few games, where I think I remember uh, a conversation that you and I had after the first PSB game, uh, where I think I said something like, well, I just I just want us to miss out on the Europa League altogether. <laughs> yep. I, you know, if we're going to go down, let's go down all the way and just concentrate on the league. Well, you know, how wrong could that be? Um, but yeah. Well, not say, too wrong. We did still avoid the Europa League. <laughs> we did. Thank goodness for that. Yeah, exactly. So, yes, there's, there is this sort of real sense that the the euphoria and the enthusiasm for uh, for the the fairy tale of how we played in the Champions League and the fact that we got to this remarkable final has overshadowed um, the 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 fact that there is something wrong with our league form and we can't ignore that. I mean, maybe and, and I hear people who say, "Oh, let's address that after June the first. Let's just you know get to the final, do the final, enjoy the day." enjoy the the experience and love it and and whatever way the the cookie crumbles or the cards fall uh you know we'll still have next year we're back in the champions league we have the new stadium everything everything is falling into place for a for a good step up for next season and you know step up we're in the champions league (laughs) we have to we have to address the fundamentals and as you say 13 losses 13 losses in the league is just a remarkable uh, run of inconsistency, or a you know, a couple of stretches of inconsistency, particularly worrying towards the end of the of the season. And I think, as as you were saying before, we actually came on air. Um, the, the fact that we were saved by the fact that the other 
uh, teams competing for those last two top four places didn't seem to want it any more than we did. Uh, and I, I made the point about both uh, Arsenal and Manchester United also had double-digit losses this season. And I, I can't remember a time when three of the top six teams had double-digit losses. So there's definitely there's definitely issues to address there, and we can come on and talk about a, a few of them individually. But but yeah, I mean overall, it, it was an incredibly schizophrenic schizophrenic type of season where the highs of the Champions League and and particularly uh, the the denouement of that campaign, the fact that we had the the second legs against Man City and the second leg against Ajax, which were just basically bonkers. Both those games were bonkers totally contrasted with how ordinary we were in the league. And I, I think also if you think think back to the first leg, oh, actually even the first half of the second leg against Ajax, because um, when we went into the, fir- into the uh, second leg, just a goal down, I, I think I remember saying to you, I think we can still do this. We can, we can uh, nick something yeah. here. Um, but the way we played in that first half, was exactly the way we'd played in the previous two league games against West Ham and Bournemouth. There was no urgency. We were uh, we were t- we looked tired. Um, it looked like we'd come to the end of a very long season. And going in at half time, two down, you know, the expectation was that we were going to concede again, and then that would have been that would have been uh, lights out. Uh, it, it didn't turn out that way, and and. Thank God. <laughs> but yeah, there is that that dichotomy between how awful, consistently awful we have been in the league, towards, especially towards the end uh, of the season, and how wonderful we have been in the Champions League. Yeah, we're just looking uh, real quick. The last time that three of the top four finished with 10 plus losses was 15-16. That was the year Southampton were top six. Um, and Liverpool were in seventh. Uh, and then the last time Tottenham had more than 10 losses was in 14-15, which, if I'm not mistaken, was the split AVB-Sherwood year. That's right, yeah. So it's, right? it's not as long ago as, as I thought, but it it, uh, it just it seems like a long time ago. And, you know, you and I always talk about, well, how do you measure progression? How do you measure the success, yeah. especially with Potch? And we've always said, it, it, I don't believe it's necessary to have silverware to say that that's what you've achieved moving forward. What you need to do is show that you're progressing on a year-on-year basis. And there are certain elements to how we ended up this season that, you know, on the one hand, yes, of course we progressed, but on the other hand, we're still uh, subject to the same uh, the same vulnerabilities as as we have been in the last couple of seasons. So again, we need to address those. Yeah, and there were certainly a lot of mitigating circumstances to the season that we will address here in a little bit. Um, but if I were to press you for a letter grade for the Premier League portion of this campaign, what would you give it? It's hard. It's hard to see it in isolation. I think you would have you would have to say. Manchester City and Liverpool, I mean, basically gave us a, a, just a fantastic title race. Uh, and, you know, congratulations to City, commiserations to Liverpool. It, 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 it's galling to finish with 97 points and finish second. Yeah. So you, you would have to give both of them an A, you know. Uh, I think ourselves and Chelsea, probably a B or a C plus, I think. Mm-hmm. But but everybody else in that, I mean, Arsenal, Man U, um, and and there's no one really below that, uh, so uh, you, you'd have to say that they they didn't want to finish fourth 
um, any more than we did, or that's how it seemed. So, uh, so certainly, you know, Man U probably probably got a D, I would think. Arsenal, you know, maybe a C. So, mm. but I, I, you can't really grade a team in isolation and not sort of compare them to to the competitors around them. True, and and as you say, if you wanted the full picture, I mean, Arsenal's grade would probably be far higher because they're in a Europa League final, as are Chelsea, as are we, which really leaves United kind of the ones. Yeah. Cut the most adrift in full context. But as I said, kind of trying to stick with the domestic side. Um, speaking of which, what would you say were the high and low points of the domestic campaign? Well, I, I would say, uh, obviously, you have uh, highs and lows on and off the season, uh, or on and off the pitch, I think, this season. I mean, on on the pitch, I think, obviously, the high point is getting to the uh, to the Champions League final. Um, off the pitch, uh, the, the completion of the stadium... Uh, eventually, and the opening of the stadium and everything that went uh, along around that. Uh, I would also point to, and you just coming back to your point about Manchester United, which I, I think in a way is an integral part of the story of this Premier League season. A high point for me was Ole Gunnar Solskjaer signing his contract at Man U, because if you think back to the time when he was just the, the caretaker manager, the pressure for, I mean, among the Man U fans uh, and among the Man U press was was still to get Pochettino in at the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think, you know, quite frankly, we were the luckiest. We were the beneficiaries of the fact that, that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer came in and had a very successful first few weeks. Because if, if he had tanked right from the start, could you imagine the, the the vocal pressure or the pressure on on Woodward at, at Man U to go out and get Poch? Uh, so I have to say a high point for me this season was uh, when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer signed his contract at Man U. And I, I did sort of breathe a sigh of relief knowing that, uh, that, that Poch was at least safe until the end of the season. The end of the season now, uh, obviously things, the way in which things have developed at Man U, um, who knows what what they might do? But I, I suspect uh, Solskjaer will be back next season. Um, I, I think actually we had a we had a round table just after Solskjaer was appointed, mm. uh, and I think we all went round and said, you know, did we think that he was the right man for the job? And I say he was probably the right appointment, but I don't think he's right long term for them. Um, but we'll see, we'll see. But it just it throws another sort of wild card into that into that managerial uh, mix. I mean, they, what they should do is sack Ollie and and uh, hire Ollie as caretaker. Mm. <laughs> but on the sort of managerial <laughs> point, on the managerial point as well, uh, obviously Chris Hutton lost his job today, mm. and I think that's that's quite uh, shameful to be honest with you. If you have a, a manager who keeps you up, who you know essentially does the job that he's hired to do is keep you in the Premier League. Uh, I suppose, in a way, they're being honest by saying, well, we're not going to give you any money to strengthen the squad. Um, but I, it's just a shame to see to see Chrissy uh, lose his job like that. And I, I know he'll get picked up very quickly. Yeah, but it is worth noting that his kind of final act of kindness was um, dr- letting us win late with that Ericsson strike. <laughs> And then holding Arsenal to a draw because honestly, for me, I think <laughs> as as stupid as it is, it's so indicative of this season that probably the greatest joy I had after a, a domestic match this season was when Brighton drew Arsenal. <laughs> it wasn't any of our matches. It was yeah. the fact that Brighton managed to pull off that draw that meant 
we were all but insured Champions League again. It wasn't about finishing over Arsenal anymore, as Pochettino has said. And I'm actually pretty surprised that the the fan base has reacted as such. It isn't a big deal finishing over Arsenal anymore. That's not the goal. I think Pochettino said our sights are way higher than that. Um, And that is is clearly evident. But that match, I'm sure part of it was that it was because um, it was against Arsenal. But the fact that what it meant was that Tottenham were guaranteed Champions League football, barring that ridiculous eight-goal swing. Um, that that was an incredible moment, even though it did not involve Tottenham on the pitch. Yeah, I know. Exactly, it was. And and the, the interesting thing, of course, is all four of those teams were just remarkably inconsistent in the final weeks of the campaign. Yeah. And, and the thing that I really wanted to avoid was having to go into the last day of the season and needing to win against Everton because, you know, take nothing away from Everton. They have improved tremendously uh, in in recent weeks. uh, And I think they have a good platform to build on there uh, with a couple of new signings. But uh, I would not have wanted us to go into that final game needing a win. And and that's how that's how it proved. Um, so yeah, absolutely. It's uh, we we were we were poor uh, towards the end of the season, but thankfully everyone else was was as bad or worse. And it should be noted that once again we dominated the winter stretch. It's yeah. it's seriously has to be at least four or five years in a row now where we've entered that stretch kind of in that sixth range and come out of it third or or higher. Um, we, we just seem to do so well as soon as those fixtures get congested in that December, January period over the past few years, we've had tough matches, easy matches in that stretch. And we just always seem to perform well there and start to catch up with the group this year. What it meant was that we caught up to the title race and had built enough of a cushion by then that this hardcore regression down the back half of the season meant that we were still able to finish fourth. Um, and Arsenal had a run of that themselves. They had that 22 match unbeaten run, but, uh, you know, we, we fortunately did did enough of our work early. I, I was at the North London Derby at Wembley, uh, and, uh, you know, we were lucky to get away with a point. That decided the season. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and I think also, uh, if you think about you're absolutely right about the, the winter stretch. But if you think also, what we didn't do in that winter stretch was, did we take any points off other teams in the top six? Ooh, no, yeah, because, uh, what, we lost to City. I don't think we played yeah. Liverpool in that stretch, but then we lost to United as well. Yeah, because we, um, what we did and what we need to sort of think about, and this is, this is where the inconsistency towards the end of the season comes in, if you beat the teams you should beat, you, you, shouldn't, you should be in the top six. That, shouldn't, that should be a given, the way in which the, the squad is, is organized. Mm-hmm. But we got to a point all four of those teams who were looking for those last two places got to a point with the last sort of five or six games of the season where literally anybody could beat anybody else and did. And you would not have predicted, like you, you mentioned the, uh, the Brighton Arsenal game. You would not, you would not be surprised by an outcome that, that went that way. I mean, look at uh, Cardiff turning over United yesterday for goodness yeah. sake. I mean, it was, you know, uh, <laughs> we, we are at that stage now where, for whatever reason and whatever the motivation is on both sides of the which of the teams that are playing, I mean, you would have thought Cardiff had no motivation whatsoever to go out and win that game, uh, and yet you know United contrived to uh, undermine themselves. So it was just a crazy, crazy sort of final five or six games to the season where 
where nothing was taken for granted and everything was kind of up for grabs. And as I say, I the last thing I wanted was to go into the final day of the season having to beat Everton. Who were on a very hot stretch heading into that match. Yeah, yeah that, that would have been quite concerning. But fortunately, avoided having to do that thanks to what I deemed my high point uh, of the season. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Um, the official player of the year for Tottenham this year was Sun. Um, I was voting for... Uh, Toby, I know a lot of people were thinking Sissoko. Uh, who do you think was first player of the year this year? I kind of agree with the uh, award. I, I would have given it to Sonny uh, as well. I think he has just been remarkable. His ability to sort of step up, uh, when, especially when Harry's not there, but also alongside Harry as well, uh, is something that we, uh, again, something that maybe we take for granted that we shouldn't. Uh, but no, I, I think that's a fair that's a fair representation of, uh, of you know mm. his his contribution both in the Premier League and the Champions League, and also you know we're going to come on to talk about the goal of the season. But the, his I think that's also a fair uh, award giving his goal against Chelsea um, yeah. was the was the club goal of the season. I, I agree with that too. Yeah, I mean, hard I, hard to dispute that one. It is, but there you know there are a few other goals sort of spread around. I mean, uh, Mura's uh the second goal against ajax more is the way the, the 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 touches that he took for example just pure kind of individual skill to be able to create that chance for himself out of out of nothing where you you hear the you know very often people say oh he created a chance out of nothing that was a chance out of nothing yeah. and he put it at a a crucial moment in the game but also uh think about uh, the goal that he scored uh against manu or didn't he score twice against manu yep. at the uh, first time yeah and then he also scored the goal against barcelona that led to the draw that helped us advance right out of the yep. group stage uh yeah it, it's very very ridiculous that when you think about how tottenham have advanced in the champions league save for kane's goals against psv it's basically exclusively son lucas and Lorente. That yeah, have been involved yeah. in those goals. Um, mm-hmm. And then Delhi obviously popping up in the Ajax match. Um, but uh, a lot of our young core has grown out of the uh, remaining category. Um, but who would you say was our young player of the year? Of course, there is no formal award for that at the club. Right. Um, well, I, I guess Delhi would still qualify as a young player, wouldn't he? Ooh, uh, maybe. The same, the, the same way as you know, we had the conversation about Raheem Sterling. Uh, being the young, the young player, the PFA young player of the year because he still qualifies in that category. Uh, so that was oh that my kind gosh, of, yeah, Delhi is still twenty three. Yeah, no, no, exactly. So, uh, so I think I what I would like to see 
from Delhi is is just some more consistency going forward. Um, obviously, Harry Winks had a, a, a injury shortened season again, but I think there's still, you know, I love Harry Winks, and I think Harry is the 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 player that we should build a midfield around. But I think he just needs a little bit of help. Uh, I'm not sure exactly who that should be, um, but. Uh, I was very encouraged by Oliver Skip's performances. He seemed very assured, and Kyle Walker Peters as well coming through. But you know they've they've been on the fringes of the of the first team for a couple of seasons, and it's uh, it's going to be um, it's going to be interesting to watch them progress, especially in the context of who we might um, bring in uh, over the over the close season. But yeah, I we um, we're gifted actually, I think with. Uh, with a good development squad and and a good scenario where we can attract young players to uh, to play with us and and enjoy the, um, the the new training facilities and that sort of thing, so I'm optimistic for uh, for young players coming through. Yeah, and we'll see. I, I think the summer will be a really telling summer for players that were supposed to matter, like Edwards and Onama and Carter Vickers. That kind of whole generation of young players seems to have been skipped. <laughs> over um <laughs> yeah, uh, no, that's a very good point so we'll, we'll see if any of them end up sticking around um so we discussed the best goal it has to be sun versus chelsea yeah I, I i think so absolutely yeah especially if you're just thinking premier league um all right so now on to really the big question that i have for you which is i was discussing with somebody how i think that this despite being tottenham's worst season quote unquote <laughs> under pochettino is actually Pochettino's best season management-wise. He's learned how to adapt multiple formations, forced, by the way, because of the players that were available. We've had to deal with an onslaught of injuries to the first team throughout the season. I, I can't remember a season in, in my history of being a Tottenham supporter of, of a season so plagued with injuries, top to bottom, but also especially at the top with Kane's multiple multi-month absences. Uh, you had all of the stadium stuff going on where at different points of the season they were using different training pitches at the new training ground that you mentioned that had different pitch sizes because at one point we had to have both Wembley and MK Dons and then the MK Dons one had to change to the new stadium one. Um, no signings as everybody knows and talks about. He played a role in that because he, apparently he refused some players himself uh, and thought yeah. these players were, were good enough which in the Premier League they clearly weren't and in the Champions League they clearly were. Uh, so just curious to get your take on Pochettino's performance this year. Do you think it's insane to say that this may have been his best performance as Tottenham manager? Well, I, I think you're absolutely right in that, you know, this is, this is his lowest league, uh, finish, uh, in the, in the time that he's been with us. But on June the 2nd, we could be starting to build a, a, a statue out in front of the new stadium to him. Can you imagine that? The fact that, you know, you, <laughs> you know, you have your worst season and at, your best season at the same time. It, it just, again, gets back to this, this schizophrenic nature of how our season has been. Um, I think, to go back to the point that I made earlier about you judge success by learning from your mistakes and moving forward and progressing season by season, I think we, you're absolutely right to talk about the mitigating circumstances um, that, that has held him back uh, this year. Some of them, like the, the fact that he didn't want to bring in a couple of players uh, or says he didn't want to bring in a couple of players. That, that, you know, obviously that was uh, his own motivation to do that rather than Daniel Levy refusing to do that. So that's a whole other dynamic that's going to need to be addressed uh, in the summer. Um, but 
yes, I, even though we went backwards in the league, I think we've moved forwards in terms of how we think about ourselves as a serious contender for um, for the the major honours. Um, I mean, the, obviously, the Champions League, the the achievement in the Champions League this year uh, will spill over into the confidence that we have in every tournament that we play in next year. Um, so, and also, don't forget, you know, we we won't have the sluggish start that we did this year because. Uh, we won't have players away at the World Cup, although we'll have some players uh, who'll be taking part in the um, uh, the Nations League, uh, the European tournament in the summer. So there's when when you don't hit the ground running, it's kind of hard to pick it up uh, a little later. And and you know as we've talked about, we had that very disappointing sort of run towards the end of the season that that let us down. But I I do think this could be the defining season for Pochettino. Because win or lose on the 1st of June, he has something now to actually point to and say, this is what I have achieved with this, with this team in spite of everything. And so the, the, the question is going to be, how much can he achieve with you know, a $250 million budget and the, a full season in the new stadium and uh, a, a, a team that's not tired at the start of the season? This is next season is crucial, I think, and and again, this is going to feed into um, players in and out uh, and who they are and what they do and and uh, how they fit into the overall structure of the squad. But in terms of Pochettino's performance, I do honestly think that considering uh, everything that we've done this season, this was his best season with us. Yeah, and I do think a lot of additions probably need to be made even if it's just removing the players that are currently on the books that aren't really contributing like Nkuru unfortunately like Jansen although he almost had a chance uh in that West Ham match to score um so uh the question I have for you is which which uh outgoings do you think we'll see in the summer and then which players do you think will replace them well maybe not specifically players but what positions of need do you think there will be for me I think Toby is probably going to go um, just with that 25 million release clause in his contract, I can't imagine somebody not paying that. Um, I think Ericsson stays because I think that money's being sp- spent elsewhere. Um, they keep today talking about potentially Hazard going to Madrid. That would eat up a lot of their money. Um, and personally, I don't think Ericsson had a good enough year to earn himself and move away. Uh, Steve, I'm sure we talked about back in the day. You remember when Vertonghen was like openly flirting with Barcelona and then followed yeah. it up with his worst season at Tottenham? And so he like... He had the chance. He just didn't earn it. Um, I think that's kind of where Ericsson's at right now. But I, I think this summer, as all summers for big clubs, you need to get rid of the players that aren't contributing. So yeah, Nkudu, Jansen, see what's happening with the three I mentioned earlier with Onamond, Edwards, yeah. and Carter Vickers. Um, for me, if we get a, any offer of significant money, Trippier, I'm I'm just about done with emotionally. Um, but those are my really big ones. Hopefully add one central midfielder a striker and a yeah. right back would probably be be my call. Do you agree with those lists of outs and potential ends? I do, and and I I think you've summed it up very very well there actually. I, I, and and I am sorry for Jansen because you and I were at the Bournemouth game when he <laughs> yeah, we were his first goal for us. So you know that that will always kind of have a, a special sort of place for me. But uh, but yeah, it's not like he hasn't had uh, enough opportunities and enough chances. So it is a shame, and I know he'll he'll probably go somewhere else and he'll do well and he'll come back to bite us one day. Um, your point about Trippier really interesting actually because 
um, I was saying to Patrick uh, uh, when we were watching the game, you know, last season we would probably have had you uh, widely acknowledged that we had the best attacking fullbacks in the league. We had Trippier and Rose, and mm-hmm. now I don't think there's any doubt that Alexander Arnold and Robertson are that best combination, and that has happened literally by stealth. I don't think our players got any worse. Uh, I just think that the the two players at Liverpool uh, have excelled in a way that uh, that our players have not. Talking of Danny Rose, actually, who I love uh, uh, dearly, it is worrying when you hear each new statement that he comes out with that you know the, the this could be his last season or you know his last match and uh, and then of course you know obviously responding to the the. Um, the racism situation with uh, with England, uh, you know, when he talked about, well, I'm, I'm, he, what has he said? I had five or six years left in the game, and then, you know, I just want to hang it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, much as I want, you know, our 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 team to be secure and to be steady, and and um, that we should have a first eleven that picks itself, but. If players aren't happy, if they're not happy in their positions, and clearly, I think you you mentioned Toby. Uh, there's a situation there that I think needs to be needs to be addressed. Uh, if players aren't happy in their positions and they they want away, uh, then it's not in the club's interest to try and you know pigeonhole them into a into a a situation that they don't uh, feel comfortable with. Um, you mentioned the the Ericsson thing. I actually agree with you uh, that I think Ericsson will stay. And the reason I think that's the case is not necessarily just Hazard, but the fact that now Coutinho is in the, is in the mix that Barcelona have said they're prepared to listen to offers for Coutinho. Um, so that would tend to remove Ericsson's leverage a little bit or Ericsson's agent's leverage, I suppose, if he's looking for uh, a top club. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. I would be more than happy for Ericsson to stay, even though, to be honest, at the start of the season, I'd kind of priced in the fact that he might go. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. It, lo- it certainly looks like Hazard is going to end up at, um, at, at Real Madrid. Yeah, before I uh, ask you for some quick predictions for next year, we keep hearing this uh, Mauricio Pochettino quote, and I don't want to uh, ignore it, but I also don't want to give it too much legs. But what have you made of Pochettino's comments that if he wins the Champions League, he might consider either leaving or retiring? Well, you could read it two ways. You could basically say, I don't think he's going to retire. I don't think this is his last job in football. Uh I don't think he would manage another club in England. So that whole speculation that uh, that we had earlier about the Manchester United situation, it would be essentially they would they would try and just win him over with money. And I don't think he's motivated by money. I think he's motivated by his reputation. Uh, I, 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 you could read it both ways. In that this is his way of saying to Daniel Levy. You have you have come upon a remarkable moment in the club's history. That it's in your hands what posi- you know what what path we take from now. You can actually give me the resources to build the team that I want to build. Um, I have taken this current group of players possibly as far as I can under the circumstances. 
Uh, I mean, <laughs> but that it sounds so ridiculous to say I've taken them as far as I can when you've taken them to the Champions League final, you know, and I'm overjoyed by the fact that that's the case. But in a way, when he makes a statement like that, it's like saying uh, it's like saying to Levy, you you have to be serious now. You have you've got your stadium. Uh, you basically need a team that does the stadium justice, and we need to be a team that that challenges both domestically and in Europe uh, for the next decade. And Poch would build that. I honestly do think he, if Levy backs him financially and and says, you know, that it, here's the keys, Maurizio. It's your baby now. You know, this is mm-hmm. you you build you build what happens over the next few years. Build a legacy. Build build a dynasty here at Tottenham, and you could be the greatest manager that we've ever had. Maybe shy of Bill Nick, unless we're about <laughs> to have some very fun years. <laughs> Maybe, but yes, exactly. I mean, isn't this the most remarkable thing that we get to look forward to to finding out what happens next? Yeah. Uh, and and I mean, you know, <laughs> when was the last time that you you faced the future, you faced the next season with the sort of optimism that I think we we have uh, here? I I certainly don't think Poch would would retire for permanently. Put it this way, I think at some point he he's always said he wanted to manage. Uh, uh, Newell's old mm-hmm. boy, his Argentinian team. Uh, he could possibly manage Espanyol, possibly manage um, or go back. Sorry, um, not Espanyol. Um, Paris Saint Germain. Uh, but I, why would why would he do that? If you yeah. know you you, t- you take a team to the to the final of the Champions League and you have a platform on which you're you're going to build, uh, why would he look elsewhere? And yeah. I don't think I don't think he's the sort of manager that is motivated purely by money. Yeah, nor do I. Uh, the Argentinian national team also one to look out for long term. But yeah, I agree. I agree. I think he's staying now. But it is weird because I've had friends be like, well, you know, he was clearly joking. But they, they asked Pochettino in the press conference if he was joking and he said no. And if you can, if your response to that is that he's still joking, I mean, then, you know, there's no way to prove it. But it's just a it's it's a weird thing to come out with right before all of this. So yeah. we'll, well, we'll I mean, see what happens. Part of it, I a part of it, I think, and I hope is is basically him just sending a plea a for money over the summer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, assuming that he does stay, because it would be earth shattering if he didn't. Although, if you had asked me at the start of hiring Pochettino, um, if I would rather hire him and win a Champions League and then him immediately leave or not, <laughs> I probably would have taken it. Although now, you know, having gotten used to his managerial style and his connection with the squad and the fan base and everything, man, that, that's a that's a hard Sophie's choice that I do not want to make. No, um, absolutely. Uh, so, assuming he does stay, what do you think the expectations are for next season and any far too early predictions for 1920? Well, no, I think we, we should expect to consolidate a uh, position in the top four. Uh, and we should be looking to, as I say, compete domestically and on the European stage um, for, for the next few years. I mean, it, it doesn't seem unreasonable to me that we would uh, we would expect that to happen. And we should expect the club of a club of our size to be able to uh, to pay for that, to basically say, well, you only succeed 
you only accumulate by uh, investing. And and this is what um, I mean. Obviously, everything's up in the air in terms of to a certain extent in terms of the ownership of the club and what happens if Joe Lewis wants to uh, wants to eventually with you know liquidate his uh, his holding or anything like that. But those are things that that will come along at a time when hopefully we have a, a, a platform or a base established that will survive something like that. Um, we would, if, if I mean, if Potch turned around, this is like a nightmare scenario, if Potch turned around on, on the 2nd of June and quit, that would be, we would not be prepared for that. We would not be able to adapt to uh, to anything that sort of flowed from that. Uh, so it, it, it's, I don't think he will. I hope he won't. I hope Daniel Levy hears him. I hope they are able to, I mean, there's, there's nothing to suggest that they don't have a good relationship. Uh, I mm. mean, you saw yesterday doing the, the lap of honor together at the end of the Everton match. Uh, there's absolutely nothing that we're aware of that suggests that they don't have, they don't both have Spurs best interests at heart. I think they have Spurs' best interest at heart in different ways, and perhaps rightfully so due to their jobs. I think Levy's goal has always been more the financial health of the club than perhaps the on-pitch performance, but then he brought in a manager who is obviously far more worried about the on-pitch performance, but whose style in that he would rather have a smaller squad and that he'd rather have more intimate relationships with them and that he's very hesitant on bringing in players because he's very careful about the dynamic of the squad it, it just happens to lean levy's way a little yeah. bit as well but yes i do agree that in their own special ways they both have the interests of tottenham at heart um yeah it's it's going to be a very very strange season next year i personally think that tottenham could be actual title challengers next year not this like month thing because if you think about it i, I saw a picture midway through the season and it was a picture of our what was it 2015-16 squad? Was that the Leicester year? Yes. And and it was, you know, at the back, Walker, Toby, Dyer, Jan, Rose. In the midfield, it was Wanyama, Dembele, then uh, Erickson, Ali, Sun, Kane. And I was thinking, outside of Sun and the players that are remaining, who is better now than they were then? <laughs> Dembele. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Dembele had his his huge increase, but that's the that's the that's the one that's the one that we haven't uh, been able to replace, and the one yeah. we've struggled to replace, and and probably the one that is the most important that we replace yeah. uh, for next season. Um, but yes, you're absolutely right, and this is, this goes back to the point I was making about you know Poch thinking, well, have I have I brought this group? Uh, the, the dynamic within this group have I brought them as far as they will go uh, and what we need is is a few seeds in there of mm -hmm. new players who will sort of shake it up and and force the players to challenge you know challenge them for for places uh, and I think you know if we can do that next season and I, I think Poch is the sort of manager that can manage that transition in a way uh, again, it depends on who leaves. I think your your point about Toby is is a good one. Um, we haven't replaced Dembele. Uh, we've we've had a string of injuries that have sort of prevented uh, the similar sort of central midfield uh, linkages that we would probably have preferred. Uh, so it it really it 
you know, and in this, and I know this sounds like a cop out, but it depends who leaves and who comes in. Mm. Uh, but I, I, but I have infinite confidence in Poch's ability to to take that blend and make it work. Yeah, and and I realized that I left mine off on a really negative note by saying everyone's worse now. But I guess what I was trying to highlight is they're worse right now, like not right. in general. But Kane has struggled with form and injuries all season. Delhi suffered a dip in form. I think Erickson played a good twenty to twenty-five good games for us this season. Um, then at the back, at the back, we were still pretty good. I think Vertong and, and Toby both had fantastic years. But like I said, I'm not sure one of them will be back next year. Trippier regressed in a massive way. Rose, his presence getting back and forth is is impactful, but his actual like assist tally dipped. Um, Lamella went from helpful player off the bench to just being hurt again. Seems he's missing out. The the positive additions were Lucas <laughs> because we didn't make any signings over the year. So I guess what I'm saying is next year, it is unlikely that Kane misses two to three months due to injury. It is unlikely that Delhi suffers through a season again the way he did this year. We have to add in central midfield. We can't trust that Winks will be fit ever. That's that's why it was such a problem that we sold Dembele is both of them were injury prone, but their injuries tended to not always overlap. Um, so that that is an issue with squad building. Um, Sun continues to improve. You you play Sanchez over Toby, assuming that he leaves. You probably bring in somebody behind him rather than in front of him. But on the whole, it, without that bad luck, the full year at the stadium, the, the reverse of everything that caused this year, reason to, this season to be poor it, domestically, almost all of them are going to be fixed next season, even if we didn't sign a central midfielder, which we absolutely have to. And that's that's why I think we could genuinely be be challenging with a title last year, is this was basically the worst case in almost every scenario at the club, and it was still good enough for fourth. Like you said, it took some help from from other clubs, but that is starting to become the floor three years in a row now. So now the question is, what's the ceiling? Exactly. And we, and we have to be prepared for next season not to have some of the success that we had this season. That's another thing as well. If oh, we I think it'll know, probably swap. I think we'll finish higher in the Premier League and probably not make a Champions League final. Yeah, sure. I, I think that's right. But I think obviously if you bring in three or four you know, not not potentially good players, but established good players that Poch has to work with to add to the squad, that's not going to gel straight away. Uh, so we have to be prepared that the, the, the marks that we've set this year, uh, we, can, we can still attain top four, we can still work on uh, performing well in Europe, but to all intents and purposes this year, I think is a, is a, as you say, like a one-off, a complete one-off in terms of what we have overcome, both what, what we have overcome uh, among our own squad, but also uh, how the other teams around us in the Premier League conspired basically to allow us to, uh, to finish in the top four. Yeah, it was certainly a strange one and we will leave it there. Uh, Steve, thanks so much for coming on. We will have, uh, your segment with uh, Patrick play after this. But if you'd like to tell the folks where they can find you over the summer, now would be a great time. Thank you very much, Kevin. It's always a pleasure coming on with you and, and to talk, you know, uh, Spurs. Uh, uh, you can get me at, at Steve McGookin on Twitter or at northernslant.com, which is the uh, website that I work for here in Belfast. So uh, good luck to everybody on uh, if you're going to Madrid on the 1st of June. Uh, and here's to the new season. I think we're uh, we're on the up.
Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Steve, for coming back on. It's a pleasure as always, and I'm sure we'll speak soon. Thanks, Kevin. All the best. I'm Steve McGuckin in London with my good friend Patrick Kerr. We're just at the final mark of the 90 minutes in the Spurs-Everton game, and uh, we're just going to reflect for a couple of minutes on a remarkable season. Patrick, that was... Uh, you know, the highs and lows really of that season are incredible. Obviously, we'll come on to talk about the Champions League in a minute. But the thing that um, the thing that struck me about this year was 13 losses, 13 losses in the league, which is just so much, uh, so far ahead of every one of our top six competitors. And what do you think was the problem there with the, our form in the league this year? Yeah, well, I think um, you know, I feel slightly deflated. I mean, we just seen us draw two all at home to Everton and, and that's kind of just sort of sums up our league form we just haven't been good enough in the league and as you say 13 defeats it's been it's a pretty shocking uh, statistic frankly Steve I mean obviously it's overshadowed by the glory we hope to come in the Champions League final but nonetheless uh, I mean if you look at our performance the last two months I mean it's relegation um, territory uh, we've just been sloppy we've um, given the ball away too much we haven't uh, taken our chances when we have them uh, we just we looked out of shape we've looked uh, out of out of kilter uh, it's yeah it's league form has been diabolical actually recently um, when you consider what it could have been what we you know right. how much was there for the taking really well, this we were talked of as, if you recall, back in um, when we had the reverse fixture, the away fixture at Everton in December, we beat them, whatever it was, 6 1, 6 2. We were, yeah, yeah. yeah, we were talking about being league title contenders, and we were. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's just since the turn of the year, we've had a, it's been diabolical yeah. in the league. Contrast that obviously with the incredible run we've had in the Champions League, and it's, I'm scratching my head because it, it just doesn't stack up logically. No, it really doesn't. And when you think about that first half against Ajax, and you think back to the two previous league games against West Ham and Bournemouth, how poorly we played in those two league games, and we played pretty much exactly the same. It was a continuation of that yes. in the first half against Ajax. Yes. And and you went in at halftime really expecting us to concede again, which makes the turnaround all the more remarkable. And what do you think it is about Poch and this team and the Champions League and overcoming overcoming literally every hurdle that we have faced? Well, maybe there's an element of destiny about it. Um, there goes Poch. Yeah, there he goes. He's <laughs> off to Real Madrid uh, on the on the superbike. Um, you know, people talk about destiny in Liverpool uh, in the Champions League this year. You know, who knows? Uh, we we obviously seem to be able to turn it round, and this competition seems to be, seems to have so far have had our had our name on it. Um, I just hope we don't have another Premier League performance um, in Madrid in three weeks' time. We need a continuation of the Champions League performances we've had. The City. Uh, away game, you know the the second half of the second half uh, on Wednesday night. I mean, that's the sort of performance we need. Yeah. If we play, we prepared the prem. We're in. That's, big, that's a very good. Diffs. That's a very good way of putting it. Uh, we don't need a, a premiership performance no. in the Champions League. Absolutely right. So uh, just just wrapping up with a, a sort of look forward to uh, to Madrid in the Champions League final. Uh, you know, congratulations to Man City for for retaining the championship today, but. Commiserations to Liverpool. It really is a remarkable season when you can you can finish with 97 points 
and one defeat all season, I think, and, and, and come out with nothing. Against City. Yeah, so how much of a motivator is that going to be uh, for them in Madrid, or do you think it could act psychologically against them, that the fact that they might be deflated? It, off it, can, it could go either way. They might be deflated on the back of being so near and yet so far. You know, football's many things, but it's not fair. Yeah. Um, no one said it was, and, um, you know, justice is not meted out. Um, <laughs> in a you know even-handed way, uh, or you know it, it could really motivate them. I think the the thing is for me, if it was if the game was say next weekend, Steve, yeah. there might be more of a major impact. Both sides will have had three weeks to recover, exactly. think about it, train, get ready. Get, I think it'll just it will literally be um, a different ball game metaphorically and and uh, literally speaking. So I think I think there won't be much impact. I I, I totally agree with you, and I think also. You know they're going to have Salah fully fit by mm. then. We're going to have hopefully Harry at yeah. least fit enough to be on the bench. And as we were saying earlier, it's 90 minutes. 90 minutes. The rest of the season doesn't matter. Form doesn't matter. Uh, 90 minutes could go either way. And, and I'm, I, I think Liverpool. Well, Liverpool are the favourites clearly in the basis of they just they just score goals mm-hmm. and lots of them. Uh, and it's going to be extraordinarily difficult for us. I don't think we should kid ourselves. But as you say. Listen, um, anything anything happens if Mura finds you know his scoring boots like he did on Wednesday night. If Son has the game of his life, we're due a big one from Ericsson and Ali. Yeah. Harry could be I mean, back. You say that every week though. We're that every week, <laughs> right? Ha, you know, Kane should should be back. Yeah. Um, we've got some amazing players to draw on, and yeah. another kind of game-changing moment. The big bring on the big man, Lorente. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, there's so many twists and turns. Yeah. But I'm comfortable with them being the favourites, to be honest. Absolutely. Um, I, I agree with you, and I'm I'm just glad that we've got to this point with top four yep. assured. I didn't want to go into the final game of yep. the season having to win to, to secure top four. Just as well. And uh, you know, here's to here's to you know, good luck in Madrid, and and here's to another fantastic season at this wonderful oh, yeah. stadium that Look, we have here. Yeah, looking back, I mean, the, the new stadium, Champions League football next season, and the Champions League final. I think. Uh, your proverbial arm would have been bitten off had it been extended back in August, wouldn't it? So, um, lots to be positive about. Absolutely. Thanks, Patrick. See you next season. Thanks, Steve. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.